So ladies, as we begin, just let me express my own gratitude to Claire for asking me to be here. I just kind of heard confessions and said Mass and talked to a few of you, but it really has been uh, a joy to be able to participate in this ministry. I want to begin by making two, I guess, considerations that sort of situate our retreat over the course of the past several days. First of all, it's an Advent retreat. Advent, of course, is that season of waiting, of anticipation for the coming of Jesus, the coming of the Messiah, the coming of the shepherd who finds us when we're lost, the coming of the Christ. But it's also a silent retreat. And you all have done a great job of maintaining that prayerful silence over the course of our time together, just being open and receptive of the Lord's word. And these are two really good things. However, there is the possibility that if we do not see them correctly, and hopefully we're all here seeing them correctly, that there are two lies that I think are particularly prevalent or particularly in the minds of women and particularly in a lot of Catholic women that I've worked with, that the evil one, our own subconscious, can come and begin to pick at, according to these two considerations. The first is this idea of Advent waiting, that we have to sit and passively wait for things to happen. That ultimately, as humans, but more particularly as women, you have no agency. There's nothing you can do. You just have to sit there and wait for God to act. That's the first one, this, this lie that women have no agency, no ability to act. All they can do is be passive recipients. Number two, in the silence, we can come to listen to the lie that we have no voice. That as women, you're supposed to stay silent. Whatever you're thinking, and particularly whatever you're feeling, you've got to keep inside. Because if you express it, you're going to be a burden to others. And so often, we hear women who believe they have no voice, reinforced by this false idea of silence. And what happens is, unfortunately, Mary can become an icon for this. Mary, who's one of the predominant figures that we encounter during this Advent season. Obviously, during the Annunciation, Mary was passive. She was just waiting for the Holy Spirit to act. And once God came, once he sent the angel, then the activity, the saving work was put into practice or put into to the beginning. And number two, of course, we acknowledge and we admire Mary's silence. She's very silent in the gospel and her prayerfulness and her disposition to receive the word of the Lord. And what happens is we can take this version of Mary and distort her according to these lies that can be very prevalent in our minds. And even more, we can flip it and begin to also reinforce some other lies and these stereotypes or preconceived notions that come about not just about women or about Mary, but also about men. 
The men are obviously the ones who are supposed to have the active roles. They're the ones who are supposed to take control. They're the ones who are supposed to lead. They're the ones who are the shepherds who are busy gathering the ewes. They're the ones who are supposed to guide. And that even more, that men are the ones who have the voices. They're the ones obviously called to be the prophets, to speak the word of God in this bold, courageous way, to be the voice crying out in the desert. And so the other two main figures that we have in Advent are who? Isaiah the prophet, that we hear from the first reading, and of course, John the Baptist, the one that we hear about in today's gospel. But what I want to do, without sort of undercutting the importance not only of silent prayerfulness and the gift of the season of Advent, is that I want to challenge these assumptions. I want to call the lies out for what they are as preconceptions and stereotypes and try to use the scriptures that we hear today to defend my position. And the first is this idea of feminine passivity versus masculine agency or activity. Particularly this idea of feminine passivity, that women are supposed to be there to wait and to receive. Listen to what St. Paul says. He's talking about in the second gospel that we're waiting for the coming of the Lord. And so he exhorts the church that they should be waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord. Not just sitting on your couch doing nothing. We can hasten the day of the Lord. That means take action. That means be agents. And we look at it in the life of Mary as that archetype of femininity. Mary acted. After the angel came, what did she do? She got up and she left to go speak to Elizabeth, to go take care of her. She didn't have to really think long and hard about it. She knew what she was supposed to do, and she acted. She made a decision. She interceded for that couple at the wedding of Cana. She's the one who was the primary agent who set those actions into motion. And although it may not seem like much action, it took a lot of determination, a lot of agency to follow Jesus on the way of the cross and to stand there for those three hours and then to receive his body. Mary understood her agency. She didn't just wait, but she hastened the day of the Lord. And the encouragement for women to do the same thing, not just in your own agency, but also in the voice. And so this is sort of the irony here, is that, of course, this passage of making straight the way the Lord, the voice of the one crying out in the desert, is applied to John the Baptist, the male prophet. But also look at Isaiah, specifically this passage at the very end, go up onto a high mountain, Zion, herald of good tidings, cry out at the top of your voice, Jerusalem, herald of good news. Zion and daughter. If you look in the Old Testament, Zion and Jerusalem, if you look in the Old Testament, both of them are feminine. Daughter, Zion. Jerusalem, the heavenly Jerusalem, the bride of Christ. And so Isaiah is indeed actually speaking to the feminine. You go be that voice. You speak. You have a voice. And so Zion is the woman. She is the prophetess. Jerusalem is the one who speaks the voice of the Lord, the voice of glad tidings. And so Mary, 
in the early church, if we study, not only is she considered virgin mother, she's also considered prophetess. It's one of the early titles of the church. That indeed, what does the prophet do? The prophet is the one who is silent and listens to the voice of the Lord first, but then speaks it boldly. Mary, after she received in her silence of the Annunciation, what did she go do? She spoke the Magnificat. And if you study the Magnificat, it is modeled off of the feminine prophetic utterances of the Old Testament. Luke is saying that Mary is the prophetess who brings the good news. Listen to her. And so that's my sort of exhortation for all of y'all today as we sort of leave this retreat, this time of Advent waiting and of silence, is to embrace your feminine agency, to be actors in the drama of salvation, to be protagonists. The church and the world needs women who will act. We need that feminine leadership to work to hasten the coming of the Lord and to straighten the path of the Lord, sometimes in ways that men simply cannot. Embrace your agency. And number two, to be the vox clamantis, the voice crying out in the desert. Find your voice. Be the prophetess that the Lord wants you to be. Take what you've heard in silence over these course of these days and speak it boldly. Speak it so others can hear. And don't let others, especially men, tell you what you can and can't say, what you can and you cannot feel. We need the voice of women who are often much better at listening and speaking. So I was looking for some fancy quote to be able to land this plane but I'm going to go in a different direction. And this may sound crazy, but I'm going to do it anyhow. Over the course of the past year, we have had a lot of, in our culture, great feminine examples of women who have taken agency and have spoken their voice. We have Taylor Swift, which we're not going to talk about today, even though I'm going to talk about that later at another time. And I think we have the biggest movie of the year, Barbie who surprisingly to some of you, I saw and loved. And what do we have here? We have sort of this parable of the woman who has agency. She can be whatever she wants to be. And then to have her voice, even expressing things that a lot of people do not want to hear, that they're afraid of expressing. I'm thinking of death. I'm having thoughts of death. And the movie works to sort of talk about the power of feminine agency from a secular perspective and the power of women speaking their voice. The problem becomes, and again, this is up for debate, is the way that I think it resolves at the end. In the end, what happens? Barbie has her voice, Barbie's strong, but Ken, you've got to go back to just being a loser. But the reality is this, that for men to have their voice, we need women. For men to have their agency, we need that complementarity of women. And the same goes for the other thing. Women need men. 
There is the complementarity of the sexes. The asymmetrical reciprocity is one theologian said. We both have things to bring to the table, and we both need each other. And so while we both listen, we both speak, we both act, there's got to be a cooperation. And one of the things that I think is the worst in our world today is this consistent pitting of men against women. No, we both have our gifts We both need to be able to complement each other to work for the greater good, to work for the common good, to be able to bolster each other's agencies and to be able to bolster each other's voices. Now, there's another movie who I think is a much better representation of that, of this complementary to the sexes, but we won't get into that because we'll be here for another half an hour if I get to talking about it. But ladies, that is my encouragement to you uh, and to the entire church. At this point in time, in the the culture in the church, we need Christians, both men and women, who embrace their existence as agents, are not simply passive recipients, but are willing to be active protagonists, and most importantly, to be able to have a voice, to hear the word of the Lord, and speak it to a world that needs those glad tidings. Amen.